Gentlemen, welcome to Cartridge. The first rule of Cartridge Club is you do not talk about Cartridge Club. The second rule of Cartridge Club is you do not talk about Cartridge Club. Welcome to another episode of The Cartridge Club, a monthly podcast where some fantastic members of the gaming community get together and play through a game of the month, giving their thoughts and opinions on it. And this is a big 2-0, guys, episode 20, so a huge congratulations. And to celebrate, we have a stellar cast to talk about a very well-known game. But we'll get into that in a second. First off, you'll notice that this isn't the handsome, rugged voice of Player One, but rather the voice of me, the uh, much hairier Cartridge Club member, Dean, from Round 2 Gaming. I've been given the distinct privilege to co-host in Player One stead, along with his other half, Player Two, so thank you guys so much for, for letting me come back on the show again. This is uh, it's really exciting. I thought for sure I'd be banned after the Secret of Mana debacle, but uh, it's great to be back. <laughs> No, uh, it's awesome having you back, Dean, and uh, you're far too modest uh, in terms of comparing looks to my brother. Um, I think you guys could go toe-to-toe, uh, -to -toe. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> no, and, and so, thanks so much for doing this, because I, uh, I was trembling at the thought of doing one without him, so uh, it, uh, it means a lot to me. Thanks, man. <laughs> no problem. No problem. So this is uh, my fourth or fifth entry, so I'm not going to really spend too much time introducing myself, uh, Round 2 Gaming. Uh, on YouTube and a lot of the social networking sites. But let's uh, take some time to meet our guests. Uh, first off, we have a fantastic YouTube Let's Player who, along with his trusted friends, plays through a variety of games, both retro and modern, uh, with some of the most entertaining commentary on the web. So please join me in welcoming Adam from none other than Replayability. Thank you. Uh, first of all, I wouldn't call my friends trusted whatsoever. <laughs> I don't trust them with anything. Um, yeah, so thanks for having me on the show again. Uh, I think last time I was on was for it was Eternal Darkness, right? Oh yeah, that's right. Yep. And, uh, and yeah, I'm super pumped to be here because uh, I remember I didn't find out about Cartridge Club until after you guys had done Super Metroid. Um, and I was like, oh my god, I can't wait to miss that. <laughs> um, and then Metroid Prime came along and I was like, yeah, I can't wait to get on that. So uh, <laughs> I'm glad that the stars aligned and somehow I managed to make it on the podcast. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're happy to have you back on. Thank you. Yeah, there hasn't really been too many GameCube games, I suppose, if you count Beautiful Joe from, from last month, but uh, this is the second episode you've been on and, and second GameCube game. So. Yeah, that's, that's very strange, actually, because I, I rarely play my GameCube, to be honest. <laughs> oh, funny, eh? Huh. <laughs> yeah. Now, you do uh, a lot of Let's Plays and stuff with uh, with your friends, but I see you've been branching out a little bit, doing some collabs. I think I saw one with Lumps the Clown as well. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, so, so most of our channel... Uh, uh, replayability is about uh, just let's plays and going through the, the games in uh, in my collection and stuff and just trying to knock them down one by one. Um, but uh, I've been trying to kind of reach out to people and get collaborations going. So I did a, a quick let's play of um, uh, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers with Lumps. Uh, so that was good, um, despite the um, online issues <laughs> with a program called Kylera. Ah, can't say it right, Kylera. That uh, lets you do like net play and stuff. That was just being frustrating. So, uh, yeah. And then uh, I'm hoping to get in some more in the future, but uh, unfortunately, I'm I'm pretty busy until like mid May. So, uh, <laughs> gonna have to wait and see on that one, I guess. Oh, fair enough. Know all about busy. Mm. Yeah, I actually got into to YouTube watching watching Let's Players, and I think once I found the the collectors community, I kind of 
jumped off the wagon a little bit, but yours has definitely stayed uh, at the top of my list. You're the only Let's Player in my uh, top YouTube channels. So, and I think it's it's really the commentary, the sense of humor. I, I just get it. So for the listeners out there, if you guys haven't checked out Replayability yet, definitely go over to YouTube and, and check them out. Thanks. And uh, speaking of awesome members of the community, next up we have a collector who's been accumulating games for, what, over 15 years now? Goes by uh, Eric, but uh, along with his better half, Melissa, he makes up the Mighty Q Dog channel over on YouTube. Welcome, Eric. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Dean, and thank you uh, to the Cartridge Brothers for having me. Um, I think it's a wonderful thing the Cartridge Brothers are doing, having a game of the month, and I'm thrilled to be on the podcast. This is my, my first time. Um, and I'm especially thrilled because the game of this month is one of my personal favorites. Ooh, nice. Well, we're happy yeah, it's awesome to hear. Oh, I got to say, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a, a big channel or a small channel. I always see, uh, you know, your inspirational, your motivational comments appear everywhere on YouTube. You're just, uh, you're such a big supporter of the community. So it's it's awesome to have you on here. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's really fun. I, uh, I kind of discovered the YouTube community. I've been, as you mentioned, I've been collecting games for uh, over 15 years, and I kind of fell into the YouTube community a few few years ago, and uh, it was really exciting because it kind of brought new life to uh, uh, my enjoyment of the of the hobby overall. So I, it, it's fun seeing what other people do and collect and all the things that they do, and uh, uh, getting to comment and interact with people and and meeting them at the various expos that I now attend. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun in, in recent years. That's and great. My wife, Melissa, has has gotten into it, uh, mm -hmm. and it, it helps me because now she's much more willing to allow me to purchase video games. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. I mean, you, like I'm sure a lot of our listeners and some of us on the podcast here, you're gifted with a, a spouse who actually puts up with your hobby. And I think uh, Melissa takes it one step further where, where she not only puts up with, with all the shit you bring home, but you know, all the all the episodes that you do, she appears in, she's becoming a bit of a gaming guru herself and she even has her own yep. panels on some sort of social networking sites i see her uh, twitter a lot so that's awesome that is yep. awesome i totally agree um the community really has been the the highlight of this whole youtube and retro gaming experience there's just so many uh, good people out there um and i'm so glad that i've connected with so many awesome people so yeah definitely that's including you guys obviously right back at you agreed <laughs> well thank you <laughs> So, like I said, guys, two fantastic guests, but we, we can't forget about the heart and soul of the Cartridge Club. Let's hear it for Player 2, who's going to dive us into the game of the month. Thanks, Dean. And that was an amazing intro, by the way. So, <laughs> I, uh, I foresee a, a long podcasting history uh, in your future. So. Oh, that's good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, once again, thanks so much for being here. And I'm going to talk a bit about uh, the game that we've been playing this month, which... Uh, is probably in the top three of my top three uh, GameCube games, uh, and that is Metroid Prime. Now, Metroid Prime, uh, for those of you who don't know, or who are maybe from, more familiar with the 2D platforming side of Metroid, this is the first-person view Metroid that uh, that maybe not everybody was that excited about when it came out back in 2002, but uh, Nintendo gave the reins on over to Retro Studios, which you know, back then it was pretty taboo for Nintendo. I mean, it still is now for them to hand over their their, their main series to another developer, but Retro Studios did an amazing job with it. They turned Metroid into a first-person game, and uh, we're here to talk about it today. So, I'm just curious. This came out ooh, about 13 years ago. Did any of you guys play it back then? How about you, Adam? Did you play this 
back then or was this your first time playing it i i played this back then i got this like day one when it came out nice. um i was so pumped about this because i you know my last real like metroid game was super metroid metroid fusion i didn't really have and you know i played it but i didn't really like it i don't really like fusion that much oh, really? um yeah and so this was really the one that I was really looking forward to, and I kept up on all the screenshots and stuff, and I saw it kind of turn from this grimy, weird-looking game into what it wound up looking like. And, like, I remember when I got it when I was a kid, I played that game, man, so many times in a row. It wasn't even funny, like nine or ten in a row. Really? Wow. Yeah, because I just absolutely loved it. My parents were always just like, why the heck are you on the TV all the time? It's just like... <laughs> Metroid, and they were just like, they're like, okay, we understand. <laughs> Pet you on but, the head. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I definitely played it back then. Oh, right on, right on. Um, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm trying to think back. I don't believe I played it right away. I know I did play it. Um, uh, I'd say about you know, eleven years ago, probably about a year after it came out, because. I, unlike you, was a little initially turned off by it. I was a little, uh, I was doubtful that they could make that transition because uh, I yeah, loved fair. Super Metroid so much uh, and it seemed like blasphemy to me to switch it. But like most people, once I once I finally tried it out, I did end up loving it. But <laughs> uh, just out of curiosity, Eric, did you play it back in the day and were you as on board? I uh, I did play it. I got it a few weeks after it came out. Probably waited for some of the reviews, and and uh, it was my first Metroid game. Oh, so I uh... I knew about Metroid. I knew that it was a big deal, uh, Metroid and Super Metroid. And so I kind of had my eye on this game. And when the reviews came back and it was looking really good, I grabbed it. Um, so I may be unique, or um, at least in this group, that I was. This was the first Metroid game that I played, and uh, it's also uh, surprising to me in hindsight that. I, I did buy it right away and played it immediately, which is not something I usually do. So um, I guess I was pretty excited to, to get wow. into the game, and it held my interest because I, I completed it in pretty short order. All right. On. Now, just out of curiosity, did you go back and play uh, the other ones after having experienced that one? Oh, yeah. That's that's actually a great point. I That's exactly what I did. Right uh, I played Metroid Prime, and I got Fusion. Uh, and Zero Mission for the Game Boy Advance, and I went back and played that and the original Metroid and Super Metroid, wow. all because of uh, uh, my experience with Metroid Prime. And, of course, those are all classics, well-deserved classics. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, Metroid Fever for sure. That's that's a pretty neat experience, being able to go in reverse order. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard that too often. Uh, how about you, Dean? You know what? This was probably one of the dustiest cards on my shelf. Um, <laughs> I, I I remember reading about this in magazines, and I picked it up not too long after the GameCube, so uh, early two thousands. And uh, this is my first time playing through it. So. Wow! Holy cow! Yeah. So you've had it this whole time. Yeah, and uh, you know what? It wasn't a case of me being turned off by a first person shooter or or anything really. It just I never got around to it. Um, you know, other games always kind of trumped it, and. Uh, last year, after playing Super Metroid on the Cartridge Club, I, I definitely wanted to give this game a try, uh, see what it was all about, see if it held up, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I know, and that's something I can't stress enough to everybody. If you are maybe not into first-person shooters, still give this a try, because you might be surprised. Um, but yeah, seems like that's the case with, uh, with most, people. Most, most people who actually try and pick it up. All right, well, let's talk a bit about it then. The game itself, um, especially for those of you who maybe are familiar with the older entries in the franchise, this takes place after the original Metroid, 
but before Super Metroid. Um, I didn't know that playing through the game. And uh, I don't know. I guess it didn't really make too much of a difference. But mm -hmm. uh, I, I was a little shocked by it, but maybe that's just me. Did anybody else think or, or try and figure out as you were playing where it took place chronologically? You know, I, I had almost no experience with uh, the original Metroid or with Metroid... Um, excuse me, Super right. Metroid. So I just kind of took it as a standalone thing, and it probably wasn't until after I played the the, uh, the NES and Super Nintendo games that uh, I maybe went back and looked at it. Though I had to refresh my memory for this playthrough because it's, it's been 10 or you know 11 or 12 <laughs> years, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, so I never really paid too much attention. I mean, there were Metroids in it, and I was always curious well, how that's going to relate to the other games, right? right. The, the actual creatures, but... but um, Oh right, that would uh, be the first time you've seen a Metroid. Like that, that blows yeah. my mind. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't know for sure. It's possible I had no idea what Metroid actually meant in the name of these games until wow. I played this game. Um, yeah, that's pretty. I but, remember uh, being a kid and, and and similar situation, not knowing what Metroid was, and so many people thinking Samus's name was Metroid. <laughs> right, right. They well, I can it. say I knew that. Yeah. I did. I knew that it wasn't the, and I knew Samus was a a, a woman too. Okay, right. That right. had been spoiled to me uh, many years prior to that. But <laughs> I did know that about the Metroid series. Right on, uh, Adam. How about you, as a avid uh, Metroid player? Did you, uh, when you were playing the game, were you trying to piece together when maybe it may t may have taken place? Um, I was. I I'd kind of since I was so like you know into looking up all the information about. I kind of spoiled myself before the game came out. <laughs> right. Like what what a jerk I am. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the interesting thing is it actually it takes place between Metroid and Metroid Two even. Um, right. Right. Which right. is really super weird because that's a lot of stuff to fit in between Metroid and Metroid Two. Yeah. That's like right. like I kind of when I think about between Metroid and Metroid Two, right? Metroid One. You know, you go in, you find out, hey, the space, space pirates are screwing around with Metroids, and then uh, got to get out of the planet, it blows up. And then the next, very next game, you're on the planet destroying Metroids. Yeah, good point. <laughs> you would kind of think that that would be like, just like, okay, I'm going from this planet to this planet to take care of the rest of these damn yeah. things. Cause, uh, <laughs> but uh, I guess, yeah, it's very strange that, that the Prime series takes place in between there. And uh, I remember at first, I kind of had... Not really an issue, but kind of there was kind of a disbelief, um, especially when I found out there were going to be three prime games. Mm -hmm, right. um, if it was just one in the middle, then yeah, that would be okay. Um, but the three like in between Metroid One and Two is kind of strange. But uh, you know, you get over it once you realize that it's a friggin' fantastic series, and <laughs> you just start playing the game. So yeah, for sure, <laughs> yeah. for sure, that's a good point though that they did squeeze three games in there. That's right. Yeah. So and I guess also Metroid Prime Hunters. As oh, Hunters well. is right. That's right. Right. I always forget about that one. But... So do I. Yeah. <laughs> I think most people do, but that's all right. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> yeah, but okay. So the game opens up, and uh, and Samus is is flying in her ship, and she's uh, responding to a distress call. To um, it's this it's a space pirate frigate. Is essentially what it is. The name of it is Orphean. Um, so Samus shows up there, and this is the first time that you get to play as Samus. And I was just curious what your first thoughts were when you when you first took those first few steps. How about you, Dean? What was your first impression when you first started playing? Uh, you know what? I was really happy with it. The, the first couple minutes of gameplay really set the tone for a Metroid game. Uh, for me, anyway. I think I think Nintendo, they make awesome games, but one of their downfalls is that they, they really don't keep up with, with story continuity in their IPs, right? They have... Right, right. Uh, Kirby and Legend of Zelda and Mario and all awesome games, but 
you know, they have to mess around with timelines and alternate dimensions to make the story work. <laughs> right. And I think Metroid is kind of one of those rare breed IPs that they have that really stays consistent throughout, or at least for the games that I've played, where you can follow the storyline. And, you know, I was worried they, they changed the genre around. Instead of a platformer, you have a first-person shooter adventure. And, uh, you know, it, it shows uh, Samus. It shows, you know, the recognizable armor. It shows her yeah. ship. Uh, the morph ball, you have all the powers. I mean, you know right off the bat, this is a Metroid game. They just didn't slap on uh, a Metroid title to a first-person shooter in this case. So For sure. I know when I first played this back in the day, I was thinking this is going to be this is going to be Halo, but, you know, with a Metroid in the game kind of thing. But it isn't. It feels like Metroid. And, and the first time you shoot uh, your gun, that uh, it's just, I don't know. It felt right, <laughs> to, to put it lightly. I don't know. What did you? What did you? What did you think, Eric, about the uh, the the space figure? Did you think it was a good tutorial? Good good way to start the game. Out? I you know I, I I thought the environment was fantastic. I was very excited about stepping into this this world and this series. And um, you know, looking at it, you know, now where they 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 do kind of guide you through. Um, they do kind of guide you through the, you know, starting with the look function, and then right. they kind of give you a tutorial. They kind of let you use some of those powers, which I now know is, is, you know, sort of an intro. I think many of the Metroid games do that, right? They sort of start you with the powers, and then they come up with some reason. There are uh, certain ones, yeah, that, that they that's how they start out. <laughs> so you did get a good feel for what the capabilities were, and um, yeah, and then they sort of had that, uh, you know, uh, there was sort of a, a more intense battle. Uh, partway through that that opening level and right. it kind of got you used to how to do the strafing and all that stuff so yeah i, th yeah. I thought it was a good tutorial and I, it really sucked me into the game because i knew when i was playing this i said this is really something this is really something special yeah i i, I definitely agree because the way that they they did their tutorial was it wasn't hand holding it wasn't telling you do this do that kind of thing it was just sort of giving you suggestions on what you can do and then you sort of figure it out as you go along and and once you get through it that's it um, but I also noticed that this was when I first used the scan function to find, uh, scan some computers and, and you're actually finding out what's going on. You're, you're sort of investigating what's happening on this frigate. Um, and I, I loved the scan function, uh, my first time through. My second time through, I thought maybe it would get a little old, but just, uh, I'll ask somebody who's played through it a ton of times. Um, Adam, what did you think about the scan function when you first started playing? Um, okay, I really like the scan function. Uh, the first time I played it, I, I scanned everything in the environment. I would, <laughs> As soon as I went into a room, I'd throw on the scan visor, I'd look around for those little scan points. Because yep. um, I just loved how it really fleshed out the world when you could find, like, you know something about you know a plant that has a poisonous thing and it might not even a plant that you can interact with it's just you know that information's there yeah. um and you know it's a good way to 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 give you the story as well and make you hunt it down um it's a very very cool function i think and it's also kind of good because um you know it doesn't throw the story in your face but it's there if you want to seek it out um, like obviously there are things uh, like for example that you have to like switches and stuff that you have to scan right uh, in order to activate um, but those are like clearly labeled with like kind of the red markers rather than the orange yes right um, and so it's nice because you could technically you could go through the game and just scan the red stuff and that's really all the important stuff 
and then not worry about the rest and you could you could go through much faster and kind of play you know like without the story say you know it already you could go through and you could be okay well i'm not worrying about all this stuff i can just uh just whiz by yeah that's exactly it and it actually reminds me of another game i don't know if you guys are familiar with the dark Souls series but but oh yeah yeah so it, it was kind of predating that um you can look get into the story as much as you want or you can just cruise on through because i noticed that my second time through was i knew what most of the scans were going to tell me a lot of them i skipped and it made very little difference to me because i haven't gone through the first time and i did the exact same way that you did i scanned everything and i loved that um, but right. having the option now of, of not doing that was also welcome to me um yeah but what, what did you think dean what did you think about the scan function I loved it. I was I was pretty ambitious at the beginning. I was scanning everything, you know, memorizing. Right. But I I, th I really think they could have done with a third color. Like uh, Adam, you had mentioned there was a red one and an orange one. I think if they would have had a, a yellow one just for the really pointless stuff, yeah, it would have yeah. made the gameplay go a little bit faster for me because there was a lot of orange ones that uh, really fleshed out the story and talked about kind of the the lore. Uh, of the Chozo and some of the previous games, and then there were orange ones that said, "This is a busted pipe. This, this is a yeah chair." <laughs> yeah. And I think if they would have had that that one more level, that one more color, that you know, if you really wanted to be ambitious, you really wanted to get into the universe, you can start reading those. But for the most part, you can ignore them. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a great point actually, because uh, going through, even if you get burnt out on it, you find one really good one. Um, like, I love the ones where right. they're talking about Samus and how she's invaded them and stuff like that. Uh, and it just makes you want to keep scanning, but then you keep hitting those other ones. If you yeah. could just sort of, you know, squeeze those out, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, but overall, just it, it's a really awesome concept. I wish more games would use that today. I mean, I know you mentioned uh, Dark Souls, but uh, I think that can go really far in a lot of games. Right. Just to either really flesh out the story if you want, or... To ignore them if you would just want to fly through the game. Yeah, I completely agree. It uh, it definitely could definitely be used in a few more games at least. Um, how about how about you, Eric? What did you think about the scanning? You know, I, I've played the game uh, three times, and I think I've probably tried to do all the scans all three times. So oh, nice. I, I think that my claim then is that I I enjoy it. It's yeah. uh, <laughs> it's it's completely optional, but I always yep. find myself doing it and. You know, I, I agree with Dean that some of them are more valuable than others, but it always amuses me when you sort of scan a, an enemy or a downed pirate and it tells you how they died. Yeah. Um, I always, I always, that amused me. I, I enjoyed that. So um, I do enjoy the scans. Um, maybe they could have been a little bit faster the first time. The, the, the waiting, it's, it's only like a second, but even a little bit of time there, it all adds up when there's thousands of these things. But, That's true. That's but true. other than that, no, that's, that's nitpicking. Uh, no, I did enjoy the scanning and, uh, yeah, yeah, it's great. I, I like that it's optional, you know, but I still always uh, do it. And that's yeah. You mentioned that, uh, you know, you can scan the pirates to see yeah. how they die. <laughs> and that's one thing that stood out for me right off the bat is that this this really is more adult oriented when you're when you're scanning some of the pirates right off the uh, the initial ship or the downship. <laughs> uh, it's like yeah. the innards are spilling out onto the floor. Yeah. It's force trauma. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. That that definitely gets or sets the mood, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's what they open up with. Oh, I loved it. 
All right, so you get through this uh, this frigate, and uh, and Samus encounters Ridley, but it's not the Ridley that you're used to. It's sort of a mechanized meta Ridley. Um, so actually, before we go on, what did everybody think of that when you first seen him? What did you think of of him, Adam, when you first encountered Meta Ridley? I was just like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Ridley's one of the coolest villains um, in in all gaming. Um, I just think he's super cool. He's like a flying, he's like a friggin' dinosaur sort of thing. <laughs> and he's like, he commands space pirates. That, <laughs> like, it's just really cool. Um, I think he looked, he looked super menacing because, you know, you're kind of, it's during that, that escape sequence and, uh, you know, it's all tense and stuff. And there's like kind of a cut scene. Sam's looks around, she looks up and he's like up there. He's like, rah! Yeah. And uh, like his eyes are like glowing. And one of the best parts about that actually that whole scene is like when it zooms in on her face and you can see like her anger, like in her eye, right. like her eyebrows are just, she's just like, damn it. Like it's yeah. that jerk again. He <laughs> killed my parents. Um, right. <laughs> and, uh, but that whole scene is just kind of cool. Cause it, you know, it, it, it shows that not only is he just a bad guy, but also she clearly knows him. That's um, right. and yeah, I just thought Matt Ridley was really, really neat. Yeah. They did a lot with that one little facial expression. Uh, without with no text with with no voice acting they managed to portray all of that which is pretty incredible really yeah um i actually um sorry i just i remember a quote um in metroid it was from after metroid prime 2 came out um i think it was on penny arcade or something like that someone wrote a i forget which one it was but they wrote a blog post and they said that just by using the facial expressions in uh samus's um like through her visor and stuff, right? They managed to make her seem like completely human, and yeah. I I can't agree more. They do a really good job with that in all three of the games, really. Yeah, that's true. For, for such limited use of it, it's it's amazing what they can do. Yeah. Uh, Dean, what did you think about Meta Ridley? And this ha this is after having played um, the Super Nintendo one last year, right? Yeah, yeah. After playing Super Metroid, so I remember Ridley from. Uh, the original Metroid, and I always thought it was a really cool character, but seeing it here, uh, you know, I, I think it fits in awesome with the environment. I mean, I love the, the design as it as it is, but, you know, once you get down to the planet, it is a very primitive planet. You know, there's not really any inhabitants. It almost feels like a dinosaur right. planet, right? I, I think it really fits well. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, the, the character design is awesome. It's it's easily one of my favorite villains in, uh, in any game. Yeah, he's, he's pretty awesome. Uh, I don't understand how he's coming back um, <laughs> in, in so many games, but uh, I'm just gonna, yeah. uh, curious if anybody could ever really know, but that's all right. Eric, what did you think about uh, about Meta Ridley? Well, the first time I played, I, uh, I, I only knew that this was I, a character I, that I thought existed in the other games. I'm like, I think this is <laughs> an enemy from the other games, but I, I didn't really know. So um, my first experience was probably just dread that, this is something I'm going to have to fight, right. you know, or, and I, I feel like I just started this game and I, I was hoping that, you know, they're not going to expect me to know secrets from the other games about how to defeat this thing, are they? <laughs> so um, I think, you know, you know, now after, you know, playing the other games, yeah, you know, Ridley is, is, is a very cool character. And uh, um, actually, if I can, I, I was curious. Um, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but no problem. I know there's another sort of a, a famous uh character or enemy in metroid that did not make an appearance in metroid prime and i was just wondering um yeah you can bring him up I, I was curious if anybody <laughs> if anybody who knows more about this series where is craid what what yeah. wasn't wasn't craid also in the original metroid 
Yeah, they yeah. made him. They they made a yeah. There's, there's a... code code within the game, and uh, they they were gonna make him an actual boss battle. Yeah, there's a there's a render of him too somewhere on the internet. Um, he looks really weird actually. Oh, really? <laughs> He's got like a little helmet. And... Yeah, it's very strange. So yeah. what? So what happened? They just ran out of time, or because he doesn't. Okay, I, I won't talk about. I don't know about the other two Prime games, but he didn't make an appearance in Metroid Prime, right? I mean, he. No, I, was just, I never. He's definitely not in the finished game. No. Right, yeah, right. I, I'm pretty sure he got scrapped for another boss later. I don't know if I want to talk about spoilers or anything yet. No, go if ahead. If we're t- talking about the boss, but later on, you fight the uh, the Omega Pirate. Right. Uh, okay. I'm pretty sure that was originally supposed to be a crate battle, ah, uh, if I remember correctly. Okay. And, like, you know, it's fitting, right? Like, the guy's friggin' huge. Yeah. And so is, yeah. So is Kraid. Um And I think they switched it out just because uh, it just didn't really fit. Like, I think it's, you know, it's easier for Ridley to get to a different planet because he can, you know, fly through space. All right. But, um, you know, to have to have Kraid just, like, randomly at the bottom of... Like this phase on mine that has just recently been built. True, true. I, okay, I think that's... I think they decided it wouldn't fit. I can buy that. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> but you're right. There's man. actually I there's... I do miss him though. <laughs> <laughs> there's some computers at the beginning. I think I remember scanning, and they were talking about how the space pirates kind of collected Ridley from wherever you defeated him in the, the original Metroid Norfair, I guess, and uh, they were trying to put him back together. Um, oh, I miss that with with a bunch yeah. of uh, cyborg parts. Yeah, yeah, okay. I don't remember exactly what it said, but there was some sort of storyline oh. of why Ridley's back. That would yeah. have been awesome to see right before you see Meta Ridley. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> I love this game. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, Samus meets Meta Ridley. She ends up uh, getting in this explosion on the ship and loses all of her upgrades, which we mentioned earlier. Um, kind of an interesting idea. They sort of show you all, what you're going to have later on and take it all from you kind of thing so you can re-earn them. Some people might say it's a cheap gimmick, but uh, it works. <laughs> I like it. I'm not complaining, that's for sure. Um, was, is there anybody here who may object to that or maybe thinks they could have done it a different way? No, um, normally I, I hate that. Normally, yeah, I think it's called the, the bag of spilling. or Yeah. There, there, there's a trope, <laughs> something along with that, but... Yeah. Uh, I think without it, you wouldn't have known, or you wouldn't have felt like it was such a Metroid game. You know, having all your powers right off at the beginning mm-hmm. and being able to use them all in the frigate really set the pace for yeah. for being a Metroid game. And I think that's really the only way they had to do it. I thought it was really cool that they used the, the countdown, though, uh, kind of like the end of some of the other games. Yeah, where you that's have to true. Down and escape the planet or escape the ship. They just kick the game right off with one of those. Right. Yeah which is something I want to bring up later, but I'll leave it for later. But <laughs> but yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, you, they have to take it from you so you can re-earn it. It makes sense. I get it. Yeah, um, I, I, I like the setup. Um, yeah. I just think it's weird that she just kind of gets slammed into a wall and then it's like, oh, my suit's, my suit's busted. <laughs> and then later on, you're like falling like 20 stories down pits and True. getting hit by lasers. It's just like, why isn't that making all your stuff go away, Samus? What's going on? Yeah, that was like the enough. one wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kryptonite. That's, that's that was the spot. Super infused with phase on or something. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but yeah. Okay, so Samus finishes off this fight. She gets to her ship. She sees Ridley head down towards this planet, which we now know as Talon Talon Four, I believe is. Yep. Yeah. Talon Four. Yeah. And uh, 
which uh, I, you find out later on is in the same system as, uh, do you guys pronounce it Zebes or Zebus? I think Zebus. it's Zebus. Yeah. Zebus it is. <laughs> Thank but you, yeah. Other M. <laughs> yeah, all right. That's right. We learned a lot from Other M, didn't we? Yep. <laughs> but yeah, okay. So I, I don't know if you guys remember this, but there was that holographic room. You turn it on, and it sort of shows the solar system. Yep. That's where yep. I discovered that it was on the same solar system as Zebus, which I thought was pretty neat. Um, did anybody else know prior to that? Was there a way to know prior to that? Um. I don't think so. There might be a scan on the on the uh, Orpheon, right? That mentions um, there's one that talks about the fall of Zebus, um, oh, okay. and about how they go. They eventually go to uh, Talon Four, but I don't actually. Man, it's so foggy. I don't actually remember if that was on the frigate or not. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not sure about that. I just started scanning those planets and I hollow and I wasn't expecting to see anything but uh, Zebus and when I seen it I was pretty stoked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so you get down there you find out the space pirates had uh, they started doing research on on Phazon, as you could say. Um, and it's you know, they're doing all these sort of experiments and, and morphing things. What did uh, what did you think Dean when you when you realized what they were doing and and seeing all the different because some of those scans were were pretty intense, where they were telling they were purposely injecting themselves essentially with this phase on trying to create super soldiers. Uh, I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah, I thought it was really intriguing. I, I actually want to play because I haven't played Prime Two or Prime Three yet, um, and I think it talks about phase on a little bit more uh, and kind of the origin of it. Right. Uh, but yeah, I f- felt it was nice, a nice little mysterious substance that transforms things and. I didn't understand where the so the space pirates were were scientists, right? Or I guess warrior scientists. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like the, the and did they bring Metroid with them, the different Metroids with them from Zebus, or were were the Metroids already on this planet, or how? What happened? I there was, are Metroids on Talon Four. Okay. There, see, I always assumed that they brought them. Oh that, wait, let me think here. But now I'm not sure. <laughs> Because I guess hmm. they could be. I feel like they are brought there from... Uh, I think they were brought there by the, the Chozo. Um, because um, the... the Let me think here, sorry. No, <laughs> the okay. Impact Crater, for example, at the end of the game, you find Metroids there. And right. that's where um, you know the Impact happened originally. And you know Metroid Prime comes from. Um, I'm pretty sure they are present there because the Chozo brought them there. Oh, very I interesting. Okay. interesting. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's... Now I'm wondering if they all came on whatever smashed into the planet kind of thing. But uh, it's... Oh, it's very interesting. See, that's the beauty about this game is it, it, it's so deep. And you could probably scan a million other things and keep finding more and more things. Yeah. And, and then you play through all three games and you find even more. It's pretty interesting <laughs> stuff. Yeah. But yeah. So then you discover that the Chozo had moved there. Uh, prior to Samus, and then Samus can regain all of her abilities using the Chozo stuff. Um, Samus discovers the mutated Metroids. Eventually, Metroid Prime. Um, what did you guys think about the uh, about Metroid Prime? Um, once you finally get down into the bottom of this this crater near the end of the game, you you find Metroid Prime, and because uh, before. Prior to this, I assumed that Metroid Prime was being created because they were doing experiments and things like that on Metroid Prime, the Space Pirates, weren't they? Weren't there scans that said this? 
Yeah. And that, that she was yeah. adapting their weapons. So how did yeah. she get down into this locked up crater uh, if they were doing experiments on her? Do you guys know? I, I'm pretty sure that... I, I'm pretty sure they traveled to the crater. Okay, so they got... To, to experiment. But, the, oh, but then you're collecting the artifacts, right? Because you got to collect the artifacts yeah, to get down into it. it. I didn't. I should have thought of that with this before. I'm sort of. I'm sort of fuzzy on that one, to be honest. Maybe. Maybe Maybe they were testing on it and then escaped. And then it somehow got down. Es there, escaped yeah. like the phazon mines because the phazon mines actually, um, when you're going down the elevators and the phazon mines, you can yeah. actually see, it looks right out into the crater. Oh no way! Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. So um, I kind of feel like um, they're experimenting on. Metroid Prime, and then it just bailed. It was just like, right. screw you guys, I'm out of here, and it went to the crater. Right, and discovered the source of of all this phazon, which was essentially yeah. this worm thing, I think I believe they call it. And, uh, and yeah, then uh, you fight Metroid Prime. This is the final fight of the game. Yeah. Um, pretty cool fight. What did you guys think about the last fight of the game, Eric? What did you think about it? Oh, I thought it was... I thought it was fantastic. I I, I probably I'm not a <laughs> I'm not a very skilled gamer, so I'm sure I died several times. Uh, and I know I died. I didn't make it through this playthrough either. But uh, I liked the idea of I think you know in my opinion it, it you had to you had to be switching through and using your weapons right. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't subtle. They well maybe it was a little subtle right. They had the creature change colors to kind of reflect its weakness. Right. And you had to use the morph ball. You know, you could. There were these divots in the ground that you could hide in, and um, I thought it was. I, I thought it was fantastic. I, I, I really liked that it kind of made you go through all of the things and the skills that you had gained in the game. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I I'm sure I was frustrated, but in hindsight, <laughs> I'll say I loved it. Yeah, it was so perfectly designed. Just like you said about they make sure you use everything that you've acquired throughout the game. Uh, I loved it, and as a like, I've, I'm known for not being able to see color very well. I'm actually quite color deficient, I guess you could say. Um, <laughs> but the colors are so drastically different in this game that I was uh, lucky enough to be able to uh, to tell what they were changing to, and uh, and I wasn't hindered at all by it. And that made me love it even more because it could have gone the other way, and I could have been horrible at that fight but uh dean what did what did you think about the last fight dean i thought it was so damn hard it was I, uh, you know what I, I thought you know just before you fought meta ridley uh the the difficulty just wrapped right up i didn't mm -hmm. have too much trouble with the other bosses um but between meta ridley and and then the final boss the final boss took me four or five tries um yeah. and i remember getting to the second form of the final boss right and realizing that from the save point, I had forgot to scan uh, the two enemies that you run into, the two new enemies that other kind of Metroid and yes. then those little lizards. No. So I, I purposely died there. So. No. <laughs> no, no. I wanted to get the 100% logbook, right? So That's awesome. That is dedication. <laughs> I think once, I mean, you're constantly learning, right? Yeah. There's, there's certain techniques that you use um, to really get past, you know, the claws or the the orbs that it throws at you, or the different weaponry. Like, right. uh, I I think it was just constantly a learning process. I never took a step back. It was always, uh, you know, inching closer and closer to defeating it. So I really liked the final boss. 
Yeah, I completely agree. And and once you you take down Prime and you're you're fighting the second form, which is the worm, getting that hyper beam was amazing. And oh, it's like Ghostbusters. It was yeah. awesome. <laughs> it was <Yeah>. So <laughs> awesome. Uh, and the funny thing is, I remember scanning the boss and it's saying use the hyper beam to to kill it or whatever. And I was like, what what are they talking about? What hyper beam? And then when you finally step into that pool, it's like oh. An amazing feeling. How about uh, how about you, Adam? What did you think about the final boss? I, I think it's great. Um, again, like you guys mentioned, it makes you really just use everything that you that you've got so far, except for a very few like upgrades. Um, but you know, you got to cycle through all your beams. You got to use your morph ball, um, and yeah, it, it's just a really good boss. And it's also just I don't know. I, I like bosses that you know. It, it's not just a oh three hits and it's done sort of thing like right. a lot of bosses seem to be doing um, kind of starting in that era. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's true. like a, like you're really like gritting your teeth and you're firing at that damn thing for yeah. like a good twenty minutes until it goes down. <laughs> um, yeah. And then yeah, the second form's good too. Um, it's weird actually with the hyper beam because um, the whole time throughout the whole game you're just like oh I gotta avoid phase on. And yeah, then yeah. you see those puddles on the ground. You're just like, I'm going to avoid those. And you, <laughs> like until you like run into one by accident, you kind of yeah. don't really know. Yeah. Um, unless you have like you know looked in your in your items list and looked at the information about the Phazon suit or whatever. But um, oh, I didn't know about that. I didn't ever read that. Yeah, it kind of tells you, but again, it's very vague. Um, so you just kind of have to <laughs> learn it as it goes. But uh, right. but yeah, but overall, it's it's a really sweet boss and a really really epic conclusion. Yeah, couldn't have gone no better. I, I completely agree. Okay, so let's talk a bit about the actual gameplay mechanics as you're playing throughout the game. Uh, as we mentioned before, this is in first person. Um, when it was coming out, Nintendo was very specific in calling it a first person adventure, which I think was pretty neat on, on their part, um, because it really isn't like every other first person game that was out at the time. Um, and uh, and I think I would agree. Would you guys uh, agree that this is more of an adventure than, say, your average first-person shooter at the time? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I, I hate first-person shooters, and I love this game, so that's how it's going to be. There you go. <laughs> there you go, yeah. No, I, I mean, in, in, in all seriousness, you know, it is so different from a first-person shooter. I think if you were to take an FPS of, of today, and I think Call of Duty is kind of the go-to for that, Right. and you were to add these explorative elements or the scanning, I think the demographic or the... You know the attractiveness of that game would would hit a completely different audience. So I, I do think it has to be a different genre. And in, in this case, if yeah. they want to call it first-person adventure, that works for me. Yeah, me too. And I, I, it's funny because I don't think I had heard that prior to to actually looking into this um, for for the podcast. And it said first-person adventure, and I was like, oh, but uh, it makes perfect sense to me. Um, as somebody, uh, Adam, you played the uh, the originals uh, before playing Prime. Yep. Um, how did you feel about switching from 2D platforming to first person? Was it was it as good as you had expected? Um, I didn't expect it to be as smooth as it turned out to be. Oh, that's uh, even better. Like, I, I, you know, it's hard to nail platforming in 3D games. And I mean, um, you know, there are the occasional gems, like, you know, like Super Mario 64, it nails it and stuff. But there are a lot of, when the, the Polygon era kind of started, there are a lot of games that have squishy platforming, I like to call it, okay. where it's just, I don't know, it's weird. Like, it's just not as precise sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. And, you know, having a first-person game, like, there had been a few first-person shooters that did platforming and stuff like that, and sometimes they were kind of wonky. Um, but uh, but somehow Metroid Prime managed to nail it. Um, 
and it just did a really good job. Like, I never had a problem platforming in that game, in Metroid Prime. And if I did, like, you know, miss a, miss a jump or something like that, I knew it was my fault. Yes, uh, yes. It, it didn't feel like it was like the game was just like, hey, suck on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, they just did a really good job. And a part of it is, like, when you jump, there's, like, a very slight... Samus kind of looks downwards a little bit. Yeah, tilt, yeah. Yeah, and that it's just that, like, on its own. It's just, like, it makes a huge difference, I find. If she looked completely straight ahead the whole time, um, it would have been a higher learning curve, I think. Yeah, no, I completely agree. That one little step, that one little attention to detail really made all the difference. Absolutely. Um, Eric, do you play a lot of first-person games, out of curiosity? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've so, been known to play first-person since Doom. Perfect. So when you played Prime, how did you feel it stood up in terms of, of getting around, jumping around, and all other things? In terms, in, in regards to other games, did you feel it felt different? Oh, I well, I think the control, I, as mentioned already, and this in Metroid Prime is, is really precise and really, really clean. And and you know, I, you know, admittedly, I've you know, I've, I've had trouble with some other first-person games like Mario 64 mentioned, and but I never felt that. Uh, I never felt any uh, that the controls in Metroid Prime were um, uh, uh, ever the issue. I, in fact, I think the movement in Metroid Prime is probably what makes uh, this game so appealing to me. I mean, as you you gain these capabilities as you move through the game, you get the double jump or you get you know right, uh, right. the morph ball or other things. I was finding that I could start traversing the environment a lot quicker or in different ways and. That was really fantastic. I, I, I really, I really, uh, that really appealed to me. So, I think the control in this game is, is really spot on. That's 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 a really good point where yeah. where you're saying that, um, you know, you're constantly using the different items. I know we touched on it uh, before, but the ability to turn into a morph ball or to use your missiles. I mean, you're constantly using these throughout the game. Nothing ever gets old. No item gets, uh, you know, out of use. Uh, you're constantly using these things and. For the first couple of days, I hated the controls. I hated the GameCube controls because I couldn't understand <laughs> them. And because you use them just constantly, you're constantly switching visors, you're constantly switching weapons, you're mm -hmm. turning into morph ball, you're jumping, you're double jumping. You get so good at it, and by the end of the game, to be able to use all of that against the final boss, I mean, you look awesome. Like yeah. I, I feel myself, <laughs> you know, play those controls: morph ball, jump, double jump, missile, crouch down. It's it's really cool. I think. Um, after you get used to the controls, they're one of the best parts of this game. Yep, I completely yeah. agree. Yeah, absolutely. While you're actually bringing up the upgrades, let's actually talk a bit about that. because I, That's probably one of the biggest things about Metroid games is finding missiles, uh, finding energy tanks, all these kind of things. I'm just curious if there was any ones that stood out to you or maybe that were hard for you guys to find um, as you were going through the game. Uh, how about you, Dean? Uh, I think my favorite has got to be the double jump. Um, you know, Metroid has this really uncanny ability that it has so much backtracking, and I think normally that would be such a piss-off, but <laughs> because you get these new powers throughout the game, it really emphasizes how cool those powers are. You know, you spent an hour trying to get through a, you know, a jumping or a platforming session to get to the double jump, but getting back, you know, it, it's just so easy, and it really emphasizes how awesome that power-up really is, so... Um, yeah, I liked the double jump. I liked, to an extent, some of the weapon upgrades that you didn't have to get. Those optional, uh, like flamethrower or the uh, 
the special speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I didn't like others, like the super missile, or not the super missile, the, is that what it's called, the little crouching one? You turn into a ball and you can explode, the super bomb? Oh, the oh, power, power bomb? bomb. Super power bomb. bomb. Yeah, yeah, I found that fairly useless throughout the game, uh, um, yeah. except for at the very, very end. And uh, I would have liked to see that, that jumping ball that uh, is in Super Metroid and, and some of the other Metroid games where you can actually bounce as the ball. Yeah, rather I, I agree. Using my, my bombs to, to get up everywhere. I um, agree. Now, what's interesting, actually, um, just to, about on the, the jump ball kind of thing, in the Wii, in the Wii version, um, you can actually, if you jerk the controller like kind of upwards, you'll actually do a little hop. Oh, no way. Oh, yeah. really? Oh, cool. Which kind of speeds up a lot of things, so you're not waiting for yeah. bombs as much. <laughs> um, it's actually, you don't even notice it at first. Um, but then once you start doing it, it's just like, oh, man, this is super handy. <laughs> yeah, cool. Adam, did you, so you played through on the, the Wii version this time? Oh, uh, yeah. I actually, um, I recently played the whole trilogy. Um, so this is like perfect timing. I was just like, I'm going to go through and play the whole trilogy again. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So, so, yeah, I did the Wii version this time around. Okay, just out of curiosity, because um, P1 also doing the same thing, I went over and, because uh, he was saying he was having trouble with the controls, so I went over and I was currently playing the GameCube one, and I did find it hard, especially switching to uh, the visor. It just seems so much easier on the GameCube, but yeah. did you find any trouble with that, or was it just natural after a while after you do it enough? Uh, after you do it enough, it just kind of gets uh, to a point where it's natural, like... Um... With switching the beams, for example, mm-hmm. um, you pretty much, if you just want to switch to the power beam, you just hit minus and you're there. Okay. And then you kind of get to a point where you kind of memorize what third of the screen the other ones are in, and you just hit the button and flick it really quick, and then you're switched. Okay. Um, okay. It takes a little bit of a little bit of getting used to. Um, I know I know a lot of people have problems with that version uh, because of the way the first person stuff controls. Um, but I remember there's a control. Once I switched it to a control setting called Advanced, hmm. um, it went way better. And that just basically makes it so that your view is always drifting <laughs> when you're, um, like, the more your reticle is off center. Yeah. Yep. Um, rather than kind of having it have to get to a range on the side oh, of the screen to get to. Huh. It, it's, it's, it's a lot easier to look around and stuff with that. And it's, it feels great once you get used to it. Oh, that's good to know. I'll have to mention that to him. Yeah, definitely tell him to give it a shot. It's, it's really cool. Interesting, interesting. Was there any... Uh, I was just thinking of uh, some other items that may have been hard to find. I remember the one where you do have to bomb to get to that energy tank. And if you bombed, the platform gave way and you fell right. into lava. That yeah. one drove me nuts. Until yeah, that that weird kind of double bomb jump one, right? Yes, and yeah. yes. Was yeah. there yeah. any others like that that, uh, that uh, you have... Uh, Eric and, uh, and Adam, that you guys can remember. Um, I'll I'll mention I'll, I'll mention that that energy tank one. Um, we I had Melissa actually look up something for me because I was having a lot of trouble with it. Yeah. And it was saying something that the and we'll talk about the music, right? But yeah, the music that that was in Magmore Caverns, and there was yeah. a, a clicking noise in the part of as part of the soundtrack, and that has the perfect tempo for doing that double bomb jump. No yeah, way. Yeah, it does. Yeah, so it's, apparently, it's like they set it up like that. It's crazy. Cool. That was really so. Once she told me that, then yeah, that was uh, that was definitely a hard one. But there was also I'll, I'll mention just this one. The last missile expansion pack that I got in this playthrough um, was kind of hidden underwater in a little cave and. 
I uh, you had to you had to go underwater and roll into this cave, and then you I'm like bombing the wall and bombing the wall. And I'm like, where is this thing? I can hear it. And it turns out it's just above you. You just have to jump up. Oh. And yeah. the, the map, the the 3D map, kind of gives you a hint that there might be something there. There's this little divot in the room, and it doesn't make sense unless you realize there's something there, maybe under the water. And so I kind of cheated on that one, but that one was kind of interesting because it was kind of underwater, and then you had to jump, and you could hear it, and I thought maybe the wall looked suspicious, but it didn't. But that one, so that one stuck in my mind because it was the very last thing I had to get in this playthrough. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I had a few of those kind of, oh, like you, you hit yourself in the head kind of moment. Yeah. <laughs> I just had to do this. How about, uh, how about you, Adam? Um, one of my, uh, I can't think of like ones that, the problem is I play it so da- many damn times that I right. don't really. <laughs> uh, but, uh, one of the ones that always sticks out in my mind is actually um, when you go to get the plasma beam um, and you need to use a spider ball in that room that I like to call the spider ball Olympics. Right, right. Uh, and you're going around the whole edge and like, <laughs> you know, you go up there, you expose like this giant spider ball track and you're just like, all right, here we go. Let's do this. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, it's the most fun. And then I, I just used to like always kind of, you know, spider ball around and like try to like speed that up. I don't know. It felt like a little race to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I thought that was like the coolest, like one of the most memorable power ups to get is the plasma beam just because of the method you grab it. Yeah. Um, was just by spider balling forever. <laughs> That's a great point. Actually, I wouldn't mind talking a second about the morph ball, which when you go into morph ball, you switch into uh, third-person mode. Thank God, because that. Could Thank be God. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that could have been a little dizzying, but uh, but I, I love that. I, I could have played an entire game like that. I guess that would be Super Monkey Ball or something like that. But I I love rolling around. And if I could have done it more, if there was a jump function, I definitely would have rolled around more. Um, Dean, what did you think about using the morph ball? Did you love it? Did you want to use it more, or did you hate it? <laughs> No, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, to your point, I would have loved to be able to jump rather than waiting, you know, the three seconds every time you have to bomb jump, right. especially at staircases. But um, I think they made a pinball game too, so that might be fun. Oh, maybe I'll check that out. That Was that on the I don't DS? Actually, work ball for him when uh, I think it's for the DS, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's tough but to find it. I had a really hard time, and I don't know about you guys, but the, the half pipe um, oh, sessions, yes. especially the one where. It was almost like a, a 2D half pipe, and you had to go up to the ceiling to get the the uh, one missile thing. Yeah, I know what you're and, talking about. Yes. Yeah, and that was so hard. I spent 15, 20 minutes just kind of back and forth, and my head, my neck hurt afterwards. I was, I, I just couldn't get the timing to, to boost up one side and then boost up the other side. Yeah. It's like playing skate or die. I just, I didn't get. It. <laughs> yeah, that one's kind of weird because there's kind of like little nicks out of the side of the wall too. And yeah. it can kind of like mess you up, and it's just yeah. like, ah, yeah. oh, you jerk. Yeah. yeah, I totally know what you're talking about. It's kind of yeah. like right near the x-ray scope, isn't it? I think Ooh. so, yeah, yeah, right near the visor. Yeah, because yeah, were you guys – because I kept trying to hit left and, and, and boost right when I needed to or vice or right. and But every time I did it, it seemed to veer off, and then I would lose all of my speed. Uh, but anyway, I do know what you mean. It was frustrating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I remember that too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love the morph ball. Uh, I would have killed for more morph balling. I guess is the word I'm looking for. Yeah, they really nailed I, the physics with it. I think yeah. it, it it just felt really good. It did. It did. Definitely. I, I seem to recall that was one of the complaints about that game when it was first it first came out that people were interested in more morph ball 
areas. You know, there were only yeah. a few places in the game where they put you in this. It was these. You saw these rooms, right? They were tall and narrow, right? And you kind of knew this is going to be a morph ball. Right, right. Room, yeah. Right? Yeah. And I seem to recall hearing that people were kind of like, we would really like more of this. And I think if you go into Metroid Prime 2, and maybe Adam, you can confirm this. Uh, I've played them. I don't remember. But if you go into uh, Metroid Prime 2 or Metroid Prime 3, there might be some more morph ball uh, areas. Yeah, I believe Because I think that was a complaint. Yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure that in Metroid Prime 2, at least, there there's a, a lot more... Um, a lot more interesting use of the morph ball, and I think probably a lot more of it overall. I'm happy to um, do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I played through Echoes. It was a long time ago, though. It would have been right when it first came out, which is actually I think when I played through the original Prime as well. But um, it's been so long now that I, I now have that to look forward to. So I'm happy to hear I wasn't alone in that. <laughs> okay, good. Um, what did you guys think about the beam weapons? Um, they're all pretty interesting. I thought. Um, which ones did you find most useful? I found out, for the most part, I was using the ice beam for the most part of the game, and then just missling whoever I froze. But uh, <laughs> but uh, how about you guys? How about you, Eric? What did you use for, or what was your favorite beam weapon? You know, I um, <clears throat> I was thinking, boy, I sure used the, uh, I I used the, I forget what it's called, the lava beam, the heat beam. Yeah, the plasma. Because I like that, the plasma, because it caught the guys on fire, and right. I like the electrical beam, because it, it kind of hurt them for a long time after, and I'm thinking, I probably didn't use the ice beam too much, but as soon as you said I froze them and hit missiles with them, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did that <laughs> a lot too. So yeah. I'm not sure which one I used. I, I <laughs> guess I I used them all, and if I had to pick a favorite, it might be the electrical beam. That's probably the one I used the most. Yeah. Um, I liked the super version of that, I don't, you know, uh, that it kind of tracked. Right. It kind of it yeah. attached to the guy. Yeah. I don't know if the others did that, but... Uh, th- together with that, um, and maybe that's cheating because that's the super version. But uh, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> if, if in terms of the pure, I, in terms of the pure beams, I might have used the electrical one. What I forget what it's called. The wave, wave beam. That? Wave, wave, wave beam. Yeah, and it sorry. was the coolest looking one. There's no doubt. Yeah, um, it looks really neat. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, but after hearing you say that, I just realized I used. I guess it probably would have been pretty even overall. Thinking back on it now, because there were some enemies I always wanted to just burn down. Um, other enemies that I would want to freeze with that static shock kind of thing, but yeah. Um, how about how about you, Adam? What was your uh, beam of choice? Uh, I, in all honesty, I, li- I like them all, but I think I actually find myself using the power beam the most, just a straight up. Oh really? Huh. Yeah, just because I just really like hammering on the button yeah. and just firing the damn thing as fast as I can. <laughs> yeah, there is something rewarding about that for sure. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like they're they're all really neat. I mean, I really like the ice beam as well. Actually, um, it's just great for those stupid um, the uh, aerial pirates. Yes, I know. And you just stop them in their tracks, just like, well, you're te- you're you're dead, yeah. you're toast. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, like they've all got their uses, and it's really kind of a, you know, Samus's beam is really like a Swiss Army knife kind of thing. It's just like yeah, you know, that's it. everything has its purpose, and it's really cool when you find like which we- which weapons are good against that's like it. certain enemies. Yeah, when that moment when you realize, oh, I can do this and get through this fight in two seconds, it's yeah, pretty empowering. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. How about how about you, Dean? What was your uh, weapon of choice? I just think it's funny that all of your answers were uh, were just kind of being changed midway through. I yeah. Wait, actually, <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think it's just a testament to to what we were saying before. Nothing yeah. really becomes obsolete. I mean, you have your favorites, but 
you, you toggle between ones that work better against others. I think yeah, Ice right. Beam was probably my most used, uh, to your point, just freezing them and, and shooting a missile. But I, I love the Wave Beam for its own things and the Plasma Beam setting guys on fire. And <laughs> the only thing I didn't like, and I don't know if maybe it was just because I was using a GameCube controller, but when you go to power up to do a power shot, it would always fire off a bullet first. And yeah. then it would power up. Yes, yeah. And I found that enormously frustrating when I was trying to take on uh, Meta Ridley because I was using the the power shot to to hit him in the chest. Yeah, you're right. Or uh-huh. even super missile. And when I go to charge up, it fires one, and then it has to reset itself. So, is that on the Wii as well? Um, yeah, and that's actually that's kind of a weird thing about all Metroid games. I think they all do that, where in order to charge, you have to fire a first shot. Yeah. I don't think there's a single one where it doesn't do that. And I've always found that really weird. That um, is weird. I never... But, I, I have uh, the same gripe, and I never thought about it till right now. But, like, I almost think of uh, games that kind of did a charge shot very well, actually, is Star Fox, uh, Star Fox 64. Hmm. Um, right, if, yeah. if, you hold, if you hold the button, uh, you, you charge it, but then you have to tap it again to let it go. Um, whereas if you're tapping it, just tapping it, it shoots. Right. Uh, and there's it's, they kind of did a good way to do both without having, but you know Star Fox is more kind of shooty, so it doesn't really matter because you're mm-hmm. just firing everywhere anyway. True, but, true. Yeah, hmm. but there well, were times, there were times in, in in Prime when I wanted to you know surprise a, a, a space pirate or some enemy, and with a charge attack right off the bat, right? And so yeah. I used the lock on <laughs> yeah. and I'd be locked on them, but if I tried to charge it, it would hit them with just a single shot and alert them, yeah. right? So exactly. I find myself yeah. shooting at the wall first yeah. to yeah, charge exactly. and then locking on. Good point. So yeah, that was it's it's a little bit bizarre cuz it kind of took that it, it kind of made it a little bit more inconvenient to use uh, to straight up hit them with a charge beam before alerting yeah. them to it. It's true. Yeah, it's really weird that they never really addressed that. Like, now, did, did you guys get the upgrades for the weapons? I know I think some of them were optional, like the, the flamethrower and the... Yeah. Oh, super- yeah. Yeah, I remember my first time through, I didn't get the, the ice beam one. And and when I got it this time, I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> this thing's amazing. And it made that last fight with Metroid Prime so much easier. Oh, um, yeah. Sure. But yeah, that was the one where you had to, I think it was uh, blow up the tube tunnel, and then it was underneath. Yeah. Good old Super Metroid throwback right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks, man. That felt pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, did you guys get them all? I did. Yeah. I did. I, I, I got them all. I just, I, I didn't find that. I found that, like, for example, the electric one, uh, yeah. or even the flamethrower, it just uses up missiles so fast. It does, yeah. And yeah. in that final boss battle, if you don't use them at the right time, or if he's guarding, I mean, you're depleting your missiles way too fast for the the battle. That's true. That's true. The ice one was definitely the uh, cream of the crop for that fight. I for sure. Yeah, and it doesn't really have like it's not really that useful the rest of the game actually. No, no. Um, that's kind of like it'll just knock them out in one hit in that case, and yeah. they'll be like, okay, screw this, I'm changing to a different beam. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really serve the purpose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I uh, I loved the super weapons, and I think there was one of them where you were you had to climb up this tower and you had to keep destroying these pillars, and then it would drop down more. Yeah, yeah, that was a flamethrower. Yeah. I think that was a right. uh, that's the wave buster actually. Yeah, that's the wave buster. Yeah, okay. you're right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I 
I first went into there and I had nowhere near enough missiles and I got so frustrated because when I left and came back, I had to do it all over again. Did yeah. You, does that, that happen, happen to anybody else? Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it happened to me too. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> I was like, ah. Oh. But uh, it was rewarding once you get it. I guess that's oh, yeah. the beauty of it. <laughs> that, yeah, that thing's really good actually, especially for that stupid um, – Man, when you're in the Phazon mines, there's that invisible drone that you have to fight. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's you yeah. can just wave bust that thing, and it's toast. Oh, you can't do a thing. Exactly. Why did they know that? <laughs> it's, it'll be, it's dead in, like, five seconds. You're just oh, like, thank you. <laughs> that fight was so frustrating for me. I know. Yeah. Oh. To be honest, to, like, to this day, I, I just beat this, I don't know what, last week, and I still don't know how I killed that thing. I just kept shooting, and eventually <laughs> it was dead. <laughs> oh, that was frustrating. That's, um, I think that's where I died the first time in this playthrough. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I, I definitely. I was like, I was like shooting for a. I know some people did better, but I was shooting for like sort of a no death, and but nope, that guy killed me. <laughs> no, that's pretty good if you got that far. No. Yeah, my first death was trying to get that energy tank I mentioned earlier. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I kept falling into that. In the lava. Yeah. Slow death. Lava claims nice. many souls. Oh, I was so upset. <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> uh, all right. So you actually, uh, Eric, you mentioned the lock-on mechanic, which I kind of wanted to mention right quick. Um, uh, Eric, do you know any other first-person shooters that use a mechanic like that? Because to me, it's 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 unique to to most first-person shooter games that I've found. But is it unique overall? As somebody who played more than I have. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I, I I I'm struggling to think of another example. Okay, but I mean. If I would say that that lock-on probably was, uh, if we can talk about it for a minute, that was probably uh, something that they had to implement to work around the shortcomings of the fact that the GameCube controller didn't have two analogs. Right. That's I mean, right. It, it had the camera stick, right, but they were using it for something else. So I, mm -hmm. I suspect this was something that they they, they had to kind of implement uh, to, to, to work around the shortcomings. But I don't know. Maybe we'll come back around. Maybe and I, I can't think of one. No, that, that's that's a, that's a good point, and 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 it's probably why I enjoyed this game as somebody who isn't used to dual stick, you know, first person shooter kind of things. This is very friendly in that sense. Um, what did you, Dean? What did you think about the lock on mechanic? I thought it was awesome. I, I completely agree with Eric. I think it was essential. Without uh, without two analog sticks, this is really needed. Uh, but early on, you're you're trained on how to use it and use it all the time, even strafing. Yeah. Uh, those those L and R buttons are. If you don't know how to use those, you're not getting far in this game. No, it's true. Yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't get enough of that lock on, especially when you're locking on and you're charging up any whatever beam you have on. You can see it building around the reticle. Yep. Oh, what an awesome effect that they they took the time to put that in. Oh, loved it. Actually, yeah, yeah. Um, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I'm, actually, I think I don't know if it's this one or later on, but there's actually one uh, Prime game where, um, when you're locked onto something, mm -hmm. you can actually see its life meter around the. Uh, oh no way! Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like, I mean, as you shoot, it kind of chips it down. That's uh, cool. I can't remember if it's the first one or Prime Two, but uh, yeah, I don't know. They do a really good job of making it look really cool when you're locked onto things. I don't know. Yeah. It like the heads-up display overall looks great, but anyway. It was. Um, uh, yeah, locking on is really good. Um, it, it feels good, and uh, it kind of makes the game, you know, again, it harkens back to that whole first-person adventure thing rather than first-person shooter. You know, right. it's, it's clear that it's not just about shooting. It's more about, uh, you know, when you find an enemy, you're locking onto it. Um, it. It actually kind of reminds me more of Zelda in that in that respect. 
Yeah, and in in that way, it's kind of more approachable because you can have someone who's maybe not good at first-person shooters, but maybe they love playing Zelda. Right. And you know, it's just the same as uh, as Zed targeting. Um, and so it it kind of feels like that. I mean, obviously, it's got a way different feel from Zelda um, because you're blasting everything in sight when you see it, right, right, (laughs) rather than slashing with a sword. But uh, it's a very good uh, a very good way to you know make it more adventurous rather than just shooty i guess (laughs) yeah i agree i never thought to make the connection how it is very similar to z targeting but it is it's just in first person (laughs) yeah pretty much yeah uh the other thing is the the 12 artifacts that you had to find uh, throughout the game now some of these i found a little difficult not entirely that hard but there was a couple that stood out to me um namely that one where you have to it's in the with the tower? The tower, yes. That is <laughs> bullshit. Okay, who played this game without a walkthrough? I did. I didn't use any walkthrough. I and you found that out. Oh my god, you don't know how long I spent on that though. <laughs> Cuz you for for the listeners out there, you have to go to this area, then you have to double jump up to a tower which which normally has nothing in it. Yep. And you have to go through the window, then you have to destroy another window, then you have to look out in the distance <laughs> and see some balloons or something yeah. and then you have to shoot them with a special <laughs> missile yep. which knocks over a tower and then you have to go to where that tower fell and morph ball down a hole <laughs> to get this artifact that is horseshit yep I, I, I don't know what kind of design Nintendo was thinking there but yeah that one that's a super obscure one there yeah. <laughs> I have no idea how you would have oh my god yeah and what was the clue I, I think the clue they gave me was like you have you have to drop a tower like it has to to fall a tower has to fall or something like that um when you scan the artifact and uh and the only reason that i knew it was there is because like i posted on the the forums is when you're in a room where there's an item that you can get you can hear it kind of uh like the hum that comes from when you're near an item Mm -hmm. and i could hear the artifact and i so i knew i was in the right area and man i jumped around i was so frustrated and it gets to that point where you're so tempted, and I, I, I hate looking things up because I like doing that to myself for some reason because I'm a, a sadist or a mask or whatever. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I, I, I was so happy when I finally figured it out, but I was like, I can't wait to get on the podcast and see if anybody, anybody else went through this. But yeah. Uh, I did. Yeah, I did the first. I probably did the first. I remember that being difficult for my first playthrough. And in the second playthroughs, I knew there was something funny going on there. But I did notice this time that... That window, you have to. I think you have to use the heat, the the yeah. what do you guys call it, the plasma beam, plasma beam yeah. uh, on that window. And I noticed. Wow. I don't know if I. I might have burned the window first, but I noticed that those. You said they were balloons. I, I thought they were like tanks, like energy yeah, fuel tanks. Yeah. Fuel tanks or something. Um, yeah. They, they had a red so uh, scan on them. Did That's you guys notice right. that? You, I did notice you that. Can, yeah. So they give you a little bit. I mean. I'm not going to deny that was certainly the hardest one. Yeah, it was hard. Uh, but they give you a they give you a little bit, and if you use the scan visor, that you can kind of see there's something out there. I don't. So maybe that helps people. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, all that together, and yeah, <laughs> it certainly made it rewarding, <laughs> but yeah. frustrating. Was there any <laughs> others that maybe stood out to you guys? There's one in a phase on. Cave. Oh yeah, it's oh, like a morph ball. Yes. Yeah. And you kind of have to realize that you can now roll in into the internal. Am I remembering yeah. this right? I can't remember. It's sort of like a, yeah. a round morph yeah, ball you, area, and you can yeah, you kind of roll around it. It's like a cylinder shaped thing. Yeah. Yeah, but then yeah. then there's 
once you realize I can roll, I can. I think you have to bomb something and then roll through this phase on. Then you can find it. Yeah. I, I think that one gave me trouble the first time too. And yeah. this again, this playthrough, I'm thinking there's something fishy about this room. I remember <laughs> right. that, that was it. And I think that was an artifact I got maybe too early. Uh, I didn't. Did you guys notice that when you went to the to, what is it the temple? Yes. Only like the first five or maybe six or seven of them were scannable at first. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And and I like to read the hints, and so I there was a few <laughs> that I actually got before I was able to read the hints, mm-hmm. um, and that might have been one of them. But I uh, mentioning that one, I at that, when I got to that point, I was missing one energy tank. And I started going down into that phase on oh. area. And I kept thinking, this is going to be an awesome setup. At the end of this, this is going to be an energy tank. It's going to fill me up. I'm going to be able to get yeah. right back out and have just yeah. enough. This, is, this must be what they had planned. So <laughs> I get down there. I die as I see a little blinking artifact. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I have to come back here later. <laughs> yeah. And then those stupid blocks come back, too, when you're on the yes, way out. Yes, yeah. So like, even if... If you do manage to somehow, like, like say yeah. you do manage to get to it, like, without the Phazon suit... You're toast. You're probably not getting out, because uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they probably put the exact number of blocks needed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, right. Crafty Retro Studios. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, let's take a minute to talk about the bosses, then. There was a few bosses scattered throughout. Um, any that stood out to, to you, Dean? Uh, I really like the bosses. Like I said, I thought that the more you tried, the more... Because they're all pretty technical. There, there's yeah. no boss that you just kind of shoot. Right, um, right. So the first time I died in the game was at... Um, what is it? Flagra? The, the yep. plant? Oh, yes. Yeah. was poisoning the water. I couldn't figure out how to beat him. Um, so I had to use a fact for that. Uh, I didn't realize that you could shoot the mirrors and, and they could stay up if you did it with a, a charge shot. Oh, uh, right. Uh, once I figured that out, then, you know, the rest kind of follows suit. And um, the last boss, too, you know, I, uh, there was a lot of uh, technical stuff that you had to do there. I found that Omega Pirate and, um, what was the other one, Elite Pirate? Yep. Those those Phazon Pirates, I felt they were really easy in comparison. And even even that big rock monster or the snow monster. Oh, yeah, uh, Thardis. He was cool, though. Yeah. He was cool. He was cool. Yeah, very, very cool. But I, I just felt that it was really off balance with the difficulty of yeah meta or the uh the last boss mm-hmm. yeah that's true. but 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 even aside from the bosses the enemies in this game yeah are one, one thing i found really cool is that like this is my first time playing a prime game it's a whole different genre mm-hmm. but i saw an enemy and i knew how to kill it because that same enemy showed up in you know the first metroid i knew okay it's red i have to kill it with a missile or oh, right on. Or, the Metroid jumped on my head. I have to turn into a ball and bomb it. And it doesn't really yeah. tell you how to do that. Um, but it's just kind of inherited from the previous Metroid games that you've played. So yeah. I like the reappearance of some of those enemies. Yeah, every time you see an old enemy, it was pretty cool. Especially when scanning an old enemy that you recognize from another game is awesome to do. Too. Yeah. 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 Uh, how, about, uh, how about you, Eric? Any bosses that stood out to you? Oh, it's funny that... Uh... Dean mentioned Omega Pirate because I actually had trouble with him uh, this time around. I, 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 I don't think he was the first one like this, but it, it, always, it always kind of frustrates me when they add that extra complication of 
I think he did this, where he would uh, other enemies would show up in the room. Oh yes, yeah. yes. Is yeah. that true of a mega pirate? I thought it was sort of like yes, it is. You'd yeah. you'd, you'd re- get him to the point where this, so like there's sort of a double stage thing I think with some of these bosses where you'd have to attack them so that they would expose their weak point. Right. And then you only had a few seconds or whatever to kind of attack them in their their weak point. Yep. And it was like always during that time, <laughs> then these other pirates or whatever it was would show up and it's like, well, you have to dispatch those guys or they're going to just kill you. But they're doing it while you have this window of opportunity. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I may be mistaking it, but I think that happened with me with the Omega Pirate. It's just like, oh, can you guys just leave me alone for a minute? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I definitely had trouble with him. And, of course, I mentioned the uh, that invisible uh, whatever that oh, thing was yeah. that, that got me. Uh, I didn't know what to do when I, when yeah. I first hit him. I hated that but, guy. Uh, <laughs> I did remember how to defeat some of the other, even though it had been 13 years. And it had, it had, you know, I had played the Wii version about six or seven when, whenever it came out, the trilogy. So yep. in that time, I still kind of remembered how to defeat some of these bosses, like the the flagra with the mm-hmm. with the mirrors. You know, it's like okay, there's something about these mirrors, right? And yeah, it kind of came back to too. you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, here's something embarrassing. Um, well, here's something good. Uh, I, there was only two bosses in the entire game that killed me. Uh, the first one, or one of them, is the the very last fight. I, I died once on on that, which was great. I was okay with that. <laughs> but here's the embarrassing part. The only other one that killed me was... It's not even really a boss fight. It's when it's very, very early on in the game. You're moving along, and you are you come to this platform, and there's three wasp nests, I oh, think it is. And yeah, they just sh- show up on this platform, and you just got to shoot them. And that's essentially all it is. And yes. destroyed me. Twice, I couldn't... I don't know what, I didn't know what was going on. I thought... I was having a seizure or something. I didn't know what was going on. I, just, <laughs> I couldn't get through it. Anyway, yeah. I, I wasn't going to mention it, but I, I feel like I have to. <laughs> that, that thing well, can be frustrating because it's like, you know, it's, you're just getting used to the controls again, and then they it throws these, like, super fast wasps at you that yes. are darting all over the place. And they kept knocking and, me into the poison water. You know? <laughs> yeah, it, I totally understand. That thing could totally yeah. get me in the ass. Oh, frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that was me. How about you, Adam? Any, any that stood out? Uh, they're all kind of good. Uh, man, I, I remember when I first played through the game, like back when I got it, I remember the Omega Pirate was really kind of the pain in the ass um, for me. He got me quite a few times. Yeah. Um, and it, for a while, like, again, like, uh, um, as Eric mentioned, uh, you know, he starts swar- swarming you with all these other pirates that are all the different weight, like the beam combinations that you have to kill them with. Yes. and all that stuff and that's kind of the frustrating thing but then i kind of realized that if you just kind of you can kill one for example so say you pick one that's easy to kill mm-hmm. like uh i find the power beam ones really easy to kill because you just fire a super missile and they're just like <laughs> like they're gone toast yeah and then you leave the rest of them he'll actually kill them for you when he does that giant like wave kind of stomp attack oh, that's good to and know. so good yeah to know. so yeah as, as soon as i figured that out i was just like okay i'm just gonna ignore those little jerks and focus on getting that guy when his heart's exposed, and I've got my X-ray scope on, and right. all this stuff. Um, he's kind of standout, and Meta Ridley's a good fight too. Um, yeah, he was tough. Just especially since I, I really like how he kind of has his aerial form where he's swooping all over the place, um, and then he has his grounded form, and it's kind of funny because you're just like, okay, well, you know, I burned his wings off. Like this second form probably won't be that bad. <laughs> How bad could he be on the ground now that you can't fly? And right. then it's just like, oh man, he's all over the place. He's hitting yep. me from every angle. Yeah. Um, 
and it's just really cool how it's like you know it's on that platform like the Chozo like artifact platform and it's got a really cool setting and stuff like that and uh, that's also one of the standouts there um, that's just Ridley so I mean you know yeah. Space Dragon let's be serious <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's hard to not be cool when you're a Space Dragon it's true <laughs> yeah that fight was hard for me too and, and, and you're right the first part I was rolling through it like I, I think I lost maybe one energy tank and I was yeah. like, this is a joke. I feel so bad for Ridley. And then by the end of it, I think I had like 60 health left. Like, it was ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, once he starts like just rushing you and it's just like, oh man, like yeah. he's, he's way quicker on ground than it seems like he should be. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, he definitely doesn't need his wings. <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, that was most of the bosses. Um, another big thing that I wanted to talk about because especially um, where you guys have all played the, the other Metroid games now, the soundtrack is a huge part of, of the Metroid series. Um, I love the soundtrack specifically for Super Metroid. And I went into this thinking there's no way it could compare. But I don't know. It was pretty darn close if it isn't as good or better. It was certainly atmospheric. Um, I'd love to hear what you guys think. Eric, what did you think about the soundtrack? I, I love it. I love it. As soon as I got to Magmore Caverns for the first time. Yeah. I just knew right away. I said, this is fantastic. <laughs> I uh, That was maybe the first, you know, maybe the Chozo Ruins. It, it kind of had some weird parts to it. But but I knew when I got to Magmore Caverns, I'm like, this is fantastic. This music sets the scene for me perfectly. And then Fendrana Drifts also. Um, yeah, I, I don't remember the Super Metroid. I've only played that game one time. Uh, I don't remember its soundtrack very well. So I don't want to compare it, but... I absolutely adore the soundtrack in this this game. I thought it set the stage for all of the areas, uh, just fantastic, and it really added to my you know the overall feel and environment. I completely agree. And I completely agree with what you say about Magmore. Like that, that's the first moment where it just sort of hits you, and it's like, all oh, right, this yeah. is the awesome Metroid sound. Uh, Dean, how about you? Well, um, you know, it was a it was a couple of years. Years ago, I was at a Video Games Live concert, nice. and um, I want to say this was one of the earlier ones, maybe the second or third time they toured, and Tommy came on stage, Tommy Tellerico, he's the, the kind of like the, not the performer, but the talker, the MC anyway, Right. Okay. and he said, okay guys, you know, I'm going to play, or we're going to play songs from the number two requested franchise of all time. And the crowd went nuts. Everybody's <laughs> screaming and yelling, and, and games are flying through my head. Like, what are they gonna play? Yeah. Like Donkey Kong Country or um, you know Parasite Eve because they already did Chrono Trigger. Oh, yeah. Like, what what could this be? And then he yells out Metroid, <laughs> and and the crowd goes nuts. I mean, people are <laughs> screaming, people are making babies. It's like the, the crowd is insane. And I'm looking around like, really, Metroid? Because at the time I had really only played the NES and the, the Game Boy game uh, Metroid. 2 so I was thinking ah oh, this is okay <laughs> so they played it and it, it was it was all right but you know I couldn't really relate to any of the songs and then last year playing through Super Metroid I absolutely uh, agree with you I 100% love the soundtrack and then I played this game and it to me it blew Super Metroid out of the water it was so uh Fendrana Drifts for me is my my number one track but even that, I don't know if you want to call it a, an attract screen or a, a splash screen, the title screen anyway, mm -hmm. that title oh, scene. Yeah. I, I would come home from work or come home from the gym or wherever I was, and I would turn on the GameCube, and I would go make my dinner with that song playing, and it was just such a, a powerful buildup for the game. It was just 
Nestor Metzer, if you're listening, buddy, you gotta get on this. this oh, is yeah. Such a good track. Yeah, it's uh, meant And for yeah, me. it's just, it's such a build up for, for what you're about to play. So uh, I, I 100% agree. I think this is a fantastic soundtrack. So atmospheric, uh, so awesome, so fitting. And I do think it's better than Super Metroid. Awesome. Wow. I, I was really curious to hear that because I knew that uh, Super Metroid was fresh in your mind. I was curious to see what you thought, especially. Uh, Adam, you have played all of them as well. What did you think about the soundtrack? I think the soundtrack's so good. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty um, very good. Oh man, like, like there are so many good tracks. As as everyone's mentioned, Fandrana Drifts and Magmore are probably some of the highlights. Um, you know, Fandrana because you know, pretty much any ice level you throw a piano in there, you're good. Um, but it just does a really good job also having the weird kind of spacey noises and the yeah. mysterious kind of tune to it. You're just like, I don't really know what's going on. Um, and it does a really good job. And then, yeah, like the Lower Norfair, I like to call it the Lower Norfair Death March that resurfaces in Magmore from Super Metroid. I was just like, when that happened, I was like, oh my God, like, yeah. <laughs> amazing. Because that's like, that was one of my favorite tracks in the Super Metroid soundtrack. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, there's some area, like there are some parts of the soundtrack I don't really like. Like, I, I don't really like the Space Pirate theme. Um, I find it can get a little bit annoying sometimes, uh, yeah. and the same with the uh, the Chozo Ghost theme when you run into them all the time, oh, yeah. and it's just like <laughs> it just sounds like I don't know, like a I don't know, like a theremin's throwing up or something like that. <laughs> yeah, um, I hate that. I know what you mean. I, it just got to a point where I just run through and try to just ignore them. <laughs> Me too. Um, and then, but but overall, like a lot of the areas have great um, great atmosphere with the music. My favorite, actually, my favorite thing is uh, in. The Talon Overworld area. Um, at the beginning of the game, it's like the classic Brinstar theme. But That's the Brinstar theme. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like more kind of methodical. And then when you're about, I don't know, a third of the way through the game, it changes to its own theme. And like the second Talon Overworld <laughs> theme is also really, really good. Like I used to put that on repeat all the time. <laughs> oh, it was just, it's a really good track. I don't think I noticed the difference. I'm going to have to go back oh. and, and, and look that up. Yeah, give that a listen. It's super good. I used to listen to that one, and actually the the Chozo Ruins uh, one, like, over and over again. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, the the sound quality overall, oh, just amazing. Like, I remember even the first time shooting your, your regular beam. It was just, oh, everything about yeah. the sound in that game is just amazing. See, I, I think I posted in the forums, but I turned the sound effects off, um, or at least down to, I think, two or, or maybe one-fifth of the, the total bar, and I just cranked the music up the whole way through the game. Yeah. And I didn't realize, but you guys have been talking about it uh, for the past like hour here, and, and Buried on Mars mentioned it in the forums, that <coughs> there's a, like a glowing sound or like a, a pulsating sound when, yeah. when there's a high power-up. Yeah, I yep. put that on the forums. Yep. Yeah. Such, such a hard time with those, those stupid... Uh, Artifacts, because I, I never realized my, my sound effects was always down and the music was always cranked. Yeah, that, yeah. that uh, once I realized that, that's I posted that on the forums because once I realized that, it made, like, especially finding missiles, like if you were hunting missiles, it made a huge difference. Yeah. Um, let alone the things that you had to find, like the artifacts. But yes, knowing that and having the sound effect up loud enough to hear it, it really does make a huge difference. Yeah, um, but just the small sound design like that, that they put in—they didn't need to do that. But it's so amazing that they did. 
Yeah. And that's one of those cool things where it's just like, it's so subtle that like, if you're just going through an area, you don't notice it because it just sounds like, you know, there's so much atmosphere already yeah, um, yeah. that you don't, you know, you hear, you might hear this low hum kind of thing, but you might just think it's part of a machinery that's nearby or something like that. That's um, it. But then once you think about it and you're just like, wait a second, it went away as soon as I picked up this missile. Right. <laughs> then you start to kind of clue in. And you're just like, oh, man. Like, and then you're going around all the rooms and you're just listening everywhere. Yes, yes. I don't know how many rooms because I'd flown through rooms before and now I would slow down. And rooms that had this, the, sometimes the easiest missile packs. I'm like, how did I miss this? But now that I hear <laughs> it, I can find it like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. Even the the sound effects for like the the save station that that keeps to that classic sound effect that was really cool too because right. yeah, you know you're you're like you're dying your your meters beeping or flashing and you get to one of those and the sound it makes. Right. And then by the time it's done, it's like all right, I'm back, bitches. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm good to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how about the? What did you guys think of the graphics, especially playing it now? I still felt like they held up to a game that you would see nowadays. And and let's take a, to- a minute to talk also about the different environments. Like we were talking about the music and stuff in Magmore and, and Fendrana, but the the actual environments themselves were amazing. Did you guys find that the graphics stood up? What uh, What did you think, Dean? Absolutely. I uh, I was totally blown away. Uh, I haven't really explored the GameCube too much. Um, I think the last game I played was Eternal Darkness last year with you guys, and right. um, yeah, this this totally held up. The environments were awesome. I think the level design is one of the best I've ever seen. Yeah, because um, you got to remember, like these these levels or these these areas are they're just as much vertical as they are horizontal, right? These are huge areas, mm-hmm. and with the amount of backtracking that that the game has, they had to to make each area unique so you knew which direction you were going for the most part and i think they did an awesome job you know this room has a giant tree this room has a furnace this room has yep. uh like a, a couple little more roots and uh i think everywhere you look up down left right the there, there's so much here in terms of, of um, detail and graphics and textures that it, i couldn't believe the gamecube had, had that yeah that's a that's a great point also about how they had to make it uh, so each room is unique uh, and make it interesting getting from A to B. Because if you think about, especially the original Metroid, almost every room looks exactly the same. Um, right. And there's no map. Yeah. <laughs> getting through that was a headache. But this game, they, they made it interesting. Every single room that you go through is interesting. And hmm. that takes some dedication. <laughs> yeah. uh, what uh, what did you think, Eric, about the graphics? Do you think they still held up held up today? Oh, I absolutely do. This this game will always be beautiful to me. Yeah. Even when we're, you know, 20 years down the road and we're at 4K or 8K or whatever high def <laughs> we're at, this is a 480p or 480, you know, I played it in progressive mode. But so this was a 480, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it, it, the resolution doesn't matter. This game is always beautiful. It was beautiful when I first uh, first saw it. And they it definitely holds up. Um, yeah. I don't think I can say anything more about it. No, I think the game will it. always be graphically gorgeous to me. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, Adam, you played it on the Wii. Um, after, do you th- has, does it look better on the Wii? Do you find, or does it uh, look more the same? 
It's it's mostly it's a little more crisp, and you know you get your widescreen mode, yeah. and I'm pretty sure there's some bloom lighting that they add to it, um, huh. which looks nice, but it's not like you know it's not like a whoa kind of thing, right? <laughs> um, like the original Metroid Prime still looks awesome today. Like I, I mean, it's you know the environments are so well crafted and the style is just so good uh, and so intricate um, that you know it still holds up no matter what. Uh, and the Wii version as well, like you know, it's pretty much just the GameCube with that extra stuff. That's it. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's still like it still looks awesome. And you know, it's not even just uh, not even just the environments, but also just the effects. Um, like when you're firing your beams and they're all doing different stuff, and you, know, you fire platform. the Wave Buster and it's like, oh cool, I'm a Ghostbuster. <laughs> and it's just like yeah. like all that stuff just really gives it that great sci-fi atmosphere. Um, and it, it just never lets up. Like it always, it's always consistent, and uh, it always just looks great. Yeah. And uh, how about that? I wanted to bring up the. Sure. You guys noticed that at certain stages or certain parts of the game, you could see Samus's face reflecting. Oh. Yeah. In the That's in the visor. I mean, Melissa yeah. loved that. <laughs> and oh, it scared you. Yeah. But you oh could see God, her face reflecting it. and yeah, the condensation, yes. and that was. Yeah. Go, yeah. go ahead, Dean. Yeah. No, I was, I was just, you know, I'm sitting there in front of my TV, and apparently it happens early on. I didn't realize, but um, I was three-quarters of the way through the game, and somebody shot something at me, and her eyes just kind of lit up in my screen, <laughs> 16-inch screen. It just yeah. scared me. I was like, what the hell was that? <laughs> I'm looking around, and I realize, oh, it's her face when it, you know, the mask fogs up, or there's there's too much light. Or, right, yeah. I was right. Like, what? And her eyes move when it happens. Like, yeah, they're, that's the coolest yeah, they're part. Like, yeah. This yeah, was 13 talked, years ago. Like, yeah. we've <laughs> talked about attention to detail in this game, and that you know we've talked about it in the sound and in the and now in the graphics. This is all of this stuff. You know, yep. it adds yeah. up to a really great experience. All of the polish, uh, in yeah, sound the, and in graphics direction, stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Like the the heads up display, as I mentioned before, like it's it's cool. Like it makes you be like, okay, it's just like, this is what Sam sees. This is, I'm her. Like yeah. it brings you into the character so well, um, and I mean, again, like the eyes flashing, like, like from the light reflections and stuff. It's like whoa, like it's startling. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah. But yeah, and there is like there's a lot of attention to detail. Like one of my favorite things, actually, I remember when I found it when I was younger, um, with the X-ray scope. Mm -hmm. uh, like you can see her arm in the cannon, right? Like, oh, I never see, noticed. Oh yeah, that. yeah, you can see like her like the the skeleton of her arm, and also if you switch beams. Her hand will go into the different configurations that are signified by like, like you know the like the symbols yes. for the beam. Oh my! Those God, are all I like her hand it. configurations, and it's just like it's super cool to <laughs> to look. That at. That is really cool. Oh, I can't believe I did. I never notice noticed that. that. That is so cool. And like to think that they like put that little like they didn't need to put that detail in. Like let's be serious. Right. But they did. Right. It's just like okay, yeah, I'm Samus. Like. <laughs> I yeah. always wondered why they had the different hand uh, signs for the, for the different beams. That's yeah. amazing. Oh my yeah, gosh. it's a neat little touch. Ah, oh, I love this game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Another thing, uh, yeah. In terms of the graphics, another thing I was impressed with was uh, how the space pirates looked. Uh, I mean, among all the other, other enemy designs as well, but the space pirates just look so menacing, and especially coming from a Super Metroid where they just kind of look like like bug creatures. Mm -hmm. um and uh, to to this where they're they're um a military force which is just unreal 
uh, oh, I just I love that transition. Uh, but anyway, was there any uh, enemy designs that stood out to you guys that we haven't already covered up? Oh. Well, I, I mean, I think the space pirates, you touched on it, and it, I can't say enough about them. I mean, yeah. there's so many different varieties of them, and they they went beyond kind of the insectoid look that Super Metroid had. It, mm-hmm. it was almost like a like a crab or some sort yeah. of a water creature. Have you guys played Fallout 3? Yes. yes. Yeah. There's those uh, those Merc Meyer creatures there. Oh, like yeah. Crabs. That's what it reminded me huh. of. <laughs> yeah, they kind of have that organic you know, crab-like armor plating, and I thought that was a really nice mix with the insectoid praying mantis feel of, of the pirates. Mm, yeah. I don't really know how they type on computers. They, they have just <laughs> spikes for hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they get it done. Really, really yeah. big keys on the keyboard. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. So, I mean, we've, we've all been pretty much gushing this whole time, but uh, I just want to take a second for everybody to kind of give us... Your final thought, um, just how you would rate the game, and would you recommend it to somebody who hasn't played it now? Um, I'm pretty sure I know all your answers. Uh, <laughs> I'll start with I'll start with you, Eric. Would you recommend yeah. it to somebody else? <laughs> yeah, this is absolutely one of my favorite games of that generation, and I would say not only would I recommend this game. I mean, <laughs> GameCubes are uh, get a GameCube, you know, to play this game. Right. Uh, they're not that. I mean, I don't. I don't want to make any claims about how expensive GameCubes are or anything like that. But, but I would recommend absolutely. This is worth. This is one of those games to me that you you should buy at at this point. You should buy a GameCube just or a Wii. I I suppose you can play it on the trilogy. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, yeah, I absolutely recommend this to anybody. Oh, I, de- I definitely agree with that. And I think actually, yeah, you can get it on the Wii U now as a download as well. So. Yep. There's plenty of ways to So you to have get no it. excuse. Exactly. Yeah, no excuse, right? <laughs> yeah. So Eric just finished that. Adam, how about you, buddy? What, uh, what, what, what's your overall rating, and would you recommend this to anyone? Uh, zero out of ten. I would never yeah. recommend this game. <laughs> I figured you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> what a piece of garbage. Uh, no, every, I think everyone should play this game. Uh, I mean, Metroid fans and non-Metroid fans alike. Um, yeah, it's just such a fantastic experience. Um and just super unique like it's still unique to this day really like how it's kind of like that hybrid of you know adventuring and shooting and you know exploring and it's just it's hard to pinpoint a game that has really done something the same and as well uh to this date yep um i mean it's it it looks awesome it feels awesome the sound is great i mean there's there's really nothing wrong with it um and you know I get that you know some people might not like that kind of game, but I think at least everyone should give it a shot because it's probably, man, it's one of the best games definitely of that era of gaming, yep. um, if not the best. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's super close. It's it's really far up there. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And it just goes to show this isn't a game that came out last year. This isn't a game that came out 10 years ago. This came out 13 years ago. Yeah, and the fact that it still holds up this well, it, it really speaks highly for it. That's for sure. Absolutely. Uh, how about you, Dean? Would uh, what's your overall rating, and um, and would you recommend this to anybody who hasn't played it? Uh, absolutely, one hundred percent. I mean, I, I echo everything you guys said. This is, I, I really haven't put much time into the GameCube. I have a <laughs> lot of games, but um, 
you know, it's really the Cartridge Club that's been driving what games I play. And I haven't been disappointed yet, and this is right at the top of that list. Awesome, awesome. And I think that, um, you know, even people like me that don't really care too much for first-person shooters, there's there's some exceptions like Half-Life 2 or Bioshock. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this, again, at the top of the list of exceptions, this is a phenomenal game. I think it'll hold up for the next 20 years. It'll be playable. And uh, I think that, you know, you could get a little discouraged with the controls initially, but once you get the hang of them, this is a fantastic phenomenal game and and only adds to the metroid storyline i completely agree and as someone who is in the exact same boat as you in terms of um, playing first person shooters uh i think i actually the same ones that you listed are the only ones on my list as well and this one i I dare say is the top is at the very top um so i highly recommend if you're not a big fan if you are a big fan doesn't matter of first person shooters or metroid try it just try it out um, just to add on this, yeah. the other good thing about the Prime series is that they're completely different from the rest of the Metroid series. That's right. So you might not, maybe you don't like normal Metroid, like Metroidvania style stuff, but someone may still like Metroid Prime. Um, it's kind of like approachable that way from a different audience sort of thing. So That's exactly it. Yeah, it's it's really, if, if you're afraid of getting into the series, you don't know where to start, just start here because it's its own thing. If you love it, you'll know that you can go and branch out from there, but uh, you're not missing anything by starting with these, that's for sure. All right, well, that's pretty much it for us, but uh, there has been a lot of people playing along with us this month with the club. Um, if, if you're interested in getting in on it as well, you can head on over to the forums, which is at www.cartridgebros.ca. Um, we actually had quite a few people on there. Um, Jeez, Lukeman, uh, Brazel the Gamer, he's getting in late, but he's uh, he's definitely joining along. Uh, we got? I was watching him stream it the other day, actually. Oh, really? No way, yeah. So Yeah, it was a good time. So yeah, if anybody wants to see the game we're talking about, you can watch him play it. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. Kevin from Buried on Mars, of course. Enzi, Rambox, Nestromancer, Rocket Sauce. Oh my gosh, there's so many people. Mighty Q-Dog, obviously, and, uh, and Adam was playing along. Duke. From uh, Retro Nonsense, oh, Fitnet, oh my gosh, J-Rock, yeah, there's quite a lot of people. Apparently this game is really loved. Good. <laughs> yeah, it's great to see. It, that's definitely for sure. Um, also on Twitter, there was a few people playing along. If, if uh, you have any tweets you want to put out, just put hashtag Cartridge Club, and uh, we usually uh, have a chance to talk about them on here too. Um, some people are posting their, uh, oh, their uh, final... Uh, Mission completion. I also actually wanted to mention that because um, me and Dean look like we got the same percent. You got 89%, Dean? I did 89% yeah. and I think 14 and a half hours or so. I was uh, probably around the exact same time. I can't remember my time, but it was also 89%. Um, what did uh, Eric, what was your final percent? Well, this time, yeah, this time I did, I got 100. Oh, you went for um, the whole 100. And That's I, awesome. I did. I cheat. you know, I cheated sort of. I took went and looked at some facts and but i did use that sound effect that we talked about to great to great success also but um (laughs) there is a you know i think i don't know if you were going to segue into the endings but there is a slightly different ending uh depending on if you get between under 75 or up to 99 and then if you get 100 percent, there's a slightly different ending which kind of sets the stage maybe for metroid prime 2 yeah actually if, uh, uh, if you guys know the different endings you can go ahead and share them now i mean i don't know what do you guys think we should say it I kind of want to uh, say it. Well, it's, it's a pretty old game. Yeah, yeah, it's been out there. Okay, good. Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> so the the 
the hundred percent ending is uh, it's it's it reveals a little bit more about what happened with the Metroid Prime after you defeat it, and uh, it it isn't quite fully defeated. Uh, it uh, <laughs> set uh, you you see a um, you see a hand Ooh. come out of. Um, I think it might be a, a puddle of Phazon or whatever puddle is left. Nice. There's a hand, a human hand with. Well, there's an eye in the middle of the hand, but <laughs> but um, that that kind of I think sets the stage for the next uh, the next game. So That's the Metroid awesome. Prime is not fully defeated, which maybe is obvious by the fact that they have two more games with the name <laughs> Metroid Prime. In it. Yeah, so. yeah, it's fairly. Yeah. So. Um, I remember so, uh, the ending that I got was um, she just sort of flies away, gets out on her ship, and looks down, and you know could see. Talon 5's healing and getting better and whatnot, but I don't know what it is for. What was it? Seventy five and less. Yeah, I think she doesn't show you her face. Okay, okay. It just shows her looking over Talon 4 from from behind. Okay, okay. And then if you do the thing, if you're between seventy five and ninety nine, you get to see her take. You get to see her face or take off her helmet or something? Yeah, she takes off her helmet. And then if it's 100%, then it does that same ending. But then at the end, I think it's at the end of all the credits, it will show you this additional cut scene. Okay, cool. With the hand coming up. That's good to know. Um, so where does the uh, Zero Suit come in in all of this? Like, is there a Zero Suit in this? Uh, well, Zero Suit didn't show up until Zero Mission came out. Okay. Um, and so you sort of see it um, in Metroid Prime 2, I believe, the ending... Uh, one of the endings, she's in the zero suit. Right, right. Um, that's what I would have heard then. Yeah, and I think I think further past that, the zero suit starts making more and more of an appearance, but it, it doesn't show up in Metroid Prime 1. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, in, no. in Echoes, make sure you get 100, I guess, is uh, the lesson <laughs> to be learned here. Yeah, that's my incentive. <laughs> it's actually, it, it's really super weird, actually. Um, Samus, like herself, like yeah. her... Not the suit, Samus, but like her face and stuff looks completely different between Metroid Prime One and Metroid Prime Two. Really? In what way? Yeah, like in Prime Two, she looks like how she usually kind of looks. Yep. Whereas, I don't know how to describe her. She's kind of more cartoony. Yes. I don't even want to say cartoony, but I know what you mean. I, know what you mean. I not realistic. Yeah. Um, but in Prime One, she looks like a straight up real person. Yeah, she does. Like, yeah. It, it's really, really weird. Yeah, like it could be um, a person for sure. Yeah, it's just like oh. You're real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's just a ton of people. J-Rock was on here, too. Um, Mighty Q-Dog. Oh, oh, showing his, his uh, upgrades he was getting. <laughs> that, yeah, that was inspired by, I think, Retro Nonsense started that. Oh, yes. That's and right. so I thought, you know what? If he's going to show off, then I'm going to show a couple of... I didn't want to <laughs> give anything away, though. I was trying to be very careful because I didn't want to take pictures of any... Uh, any real, you know, spoiler upgrades or anything right, like that. Right, right, right. So hopefully I was still kind of careful with no, it. You did great. I thought it was a cool idea. It is, yeah. I, that's the, so Duke started that. Good old Duke. That's the beauty of what this community is. Now we can all share yeah. what we get in our games. Like, it's great. That's right. But yeah, anyway, that's, there's just a ton of tweets, a ton of activity. Everybody loves Metroid Prime. Go out and play. <laughs> As they should. As they should. That's right. <laughs> all right, so uh, with that said, I guess we'll take a minute to thank everybody. First, I want to thank Dean. For, for helping me out here tonight because uh, uh, P1, he's like my crutch. I couldn't do anything without him. <laughs> um, and Your crotch? No, not my crotch. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say crotch? Uh, no, I just messed with you. Okay, good. Because that's not going to get edited out. <laughs> but uh, Dean, I really appreciate it. And Dean, your channel is blowing up big time, man. Every time I go over there, it's even bigger. 
Um, you have a huge game room tour that I'm dying to delve into. I'm so behind on YouTube, but that is top priority for me. So I just want to say congratulations on your success as well. And, and once again, thanks for being here tonight, man. No, thank you. I mean, this is, uh, this is always fun to do. I love talking to you guys about this stuff and outside of YouTube. Um, this is really my favorite forum for, for expressing how I feel about a lot of these games and, you know, the Cartridge Club, I think we've shown time and time again that, you know, this is the way to explore a lot of your backlog that you haven't got around to. I mean, things that have been on my backlog for decades, I'm only experiencing now because of the Cartridge Club. So, and I get to meet all you awesome people as well. So, win win. Thank, thank you for letting yeah. me know. Yeah. So, if uh, everybody, please check out Round 2 Gaming, which is where you can find Dean on YouTube. Uh, awesome guy, also on Twitter as well. So, um, next up we have Adam from Replayability. Um, Adam, thanks so much for being here tonight. I, I love being able to gush about games with other people who love them. Um, so why don't you tell uh, everybody about where they can find you, all the people in your group, and uh, and just give out all the shoutouts that you can. All right. Well, first of all, thanks for having me uh, again. Uh, yeah, I love talking about games too, and especially Metroid. So uh, I, I'm glad I got the chance. Um, yeah, we, we do a whole bunch of Let's Plays. We're on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash users slash replayability VG. I always forget the VG part because <laughs> some jerk has replayability. <laughs> um, and there's myself and my two friends, uh, Patrick and Tron. Uh, and we've been working on all sorts of stuff. There's actually a really cool game on there right now called Affordable Space Adventures, which is kind of an eerie, mysterious exploration game, kind of in the vein of sort of Metroid-ish, but not quite. Yeah, um, pretty cool, though. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's what we're working on right now, and uh, we're on Twitter at replayability, uh, Twitch.tv/replayability. Basically, look up replayability. It's probably <laughs> it's probably bound there. to stumble upon you. All right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately for you, you will stumble upon us. <laughs> well, awesome. Thanks so much for being on again, bud. Um, so everybody, definitely check them out. A lot of good less plays for sure. Um, always good for a good laugh and a good time. And finally, last but not least, the mighty Q-Dog himself, Eric. Um, please tell everybody where they can find you and your wife and, and tell us about how they can get into your collectathon. Sure. So we're, we're, on, uh, we're on YouTube at the mighty Q-Dog. And uh, we're also on Twitter. Uh, Melissa is Mrs. Q-Dog and I'm mighty Q-Dog. Uh, and, yeah, we just do a small channel, uh, just kind of our adventures and uh, what we've picked up and uh, – what uh what sort of what my collection looks like uh, just as somebody who's been kind of playing games for the last uh a few decades yeah. um but let me thank uh let me thank you uh cartridge brothers uh player one player two um i agree with dean 100 percent. this is a really fantastic idea uh, that you guys are doing with this cartridge club I'm thrilled that I was able to be part of the podcast for Metroid Prime. It's one of my my uh, my favorite games, and I'm definitely looking forward to contributing or participating in uh, future cartridge clubs. Because as Dean said, this is a great way to explore your backlog, and uh, I think I'm gonna you know that's a, it's a, it's a really good thing to take advantage of. And then of course, let me finally thank Dean for for hosting us and and pushing us off today. Um, you guys, uh, this is a really great thing that you guys are doing, and I'm just super thrilled to have been a part of it. Thanks so much, Eric. And uh, I can't express it enough that it's people like you in the community that drive it. Um, you guys are always so active in, in participating in the community. And really, if, uh, if you guys have any interest in collecting or any interest in tweeting and talking about video games, definitely check out Eric and his wife because they are very active and awesome members of the community. 
Thank you. So yeah, that's about it for us, guys. Do you want to talk about the game of the month for next? Dean, month? you saved me. This is why. That's uh, <laughs> what I'm here for. <laughs> P1 usually does like... all this. So, uh, <laughs> um, Dean, why don't you tell us? All right. So we mentioned it earlier in the podcast, yeah. and uh, that game is going to be Star Fox 64. Pretty exciting. So our first uh, Nintendo 64 game on the Cartridge Club, I believe. Holy cow! I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a, a little bit of a change of pace of what we've done previously, and I think there's a couple different ways to play this. You can play it on the uh, 3DS for the 3DS port. There's a 64, and I think it's uh, I think it might be on the um, the eShop or the Wii Wii Store. I don't know. Yeah, I think it yeah, is. That yeah, sounds right. So lots of different ways to play this, guys, and uh, not only that, there's a lot of different uh, ways to play through the game. There's a couple different endings, a lot of different levels you can go to. So I think. Uh, when we hear that podcast, there's going to be a lot of different opinions and a lot of different experiences. Yeah, so really excited about it. Lots of discussion. That's right. A lot of, lot of uh, uh, Twitter pictures are going to be coming up. <laughs> That's great. Um, also, um, you, you maybe remember something else that is uh, currently happening. Yeah, I don't know if you guys read Retro Magazine. But, yes, uh, and I saw. Man. Yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> it's still crazy to see it, but um, there is an ad in there uh, for the club now um, in Retro Magazine. So. Oh. Cool. If you happen to get the newest issue, uh, take Very a look. Cool. You can look for that. Um, still crazy to see it. That's all P1's doing. He, uh, he's a, he's a, he's a master of this type of thing. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's still crazy to see. So yeah, I, I guess now I believe that's it. Right. Yes. Okay. That's it. Yeah. All right. I just want to make sure. All right. So with that said, um, I will let uh, you guys take us out. So uh, go ahead. Uh, I'm just going to say the classic uh, kind of end Metroid um, saying, see you next mission. Ooh, I like that. That's, that's it. What it's, that, that's going to be it. That's perfect. That sounds great. That's it for me. 